This is the podcast for the journal Genetics and Medicine, published by Springer Nature. It's the official journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics. I'm Cynthia Graber. Genetic data has become increasingly useful in developing new oncology drugs. One of the greatest advances in the cancer world is the concept of precision medicine. Rather than treating all patients with the same toxic chemotherapy agents, treatment may be tailored more carefully, taking into account many factors, including the genetic makeup of the person with cancer and of the tumor cells themselves. And in uh, neurodegenerative diseases, which is my field, we would really like to uh, replicate that model. So when you look at a lot of studies for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and um, other neurodegenerative diseases and Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, in spite of a lot of effort that was put in the field, there aren't any drugs that are FDA approved to slow down Parkinson's, to slow down the progression of Alzheimer's or ALS. And one of the hypotheses of why are we failing is that probably Parkinson's is not one disease. It's many diseases that look alike. And if we treat all patients the same, we may be able to treat their symptoms, but not treat their underlying biological mechanism, the underlying pathophysiology of the condition to slow it down or to reverse it. Roy Alkali is an associate professor of neurology at Columbia University Medical Center and one of the authors of a new study in the journal Genetics and Medicine. There are many genes that have been linked to Parkinson's disease, but most occur in such small percentages of the affected population that it would be impossible to set up a clinical trial. There are two genes, however, where there are enough affected patients and where drug companies have begun to investigate targeting these particular gene pathways to slow down or cure the disease. These are GBA and LARC2. What happened more recently is that because of those emerging clinical trials, it became obvious that... um, There's a little bit of a chicken and an egg situation here that if patients don't know that they're carriers, they're not going to enroll into a clinical trial. If they're not going to enroll to a clinical trial, we don't know if it's meaningful to know that you're a carrier because previously people could say, okay, so I already have Parkinson's. Why does it matter if I have LARC2 or GBA? But now that there's clinical trials, you're saying, okay, maybe... Uh, one of those trials will pan out and will show that people with GBA, their Parkinson's can be slowed down by this or that drug. But how will we know that if people don't enroll? But people won't enroll if they don't know. So we need to break that cycle. This question, how to break that cycle, led Dr. Alkali and his team to their current study. Because not only might these studies offer potential treatments, but there's even benefit to knowing today, at least in the case of the LARC2 gene, because it changes the expected outcomes of the disease. So the team of researchers wondered what might be holding back neurologists from recommending genetic testing to their patients. To answer that question, they conducted a survey. They approached clinicians in the U.S. and Canada who are part of the Parkinson study group, and 178 clinicians responded. The researchers found that, unsurprisingly, very few of the respondents refer their patients to genetic testing. They also asked if the clinicians would be interested in the option of genetic testing for their patients, particularly as part of the Parkinson's Foundation PD generation study. And overall, there is enthusiasm about the study and about the option of returning genetic results back. And the typical obstacle, the obstacles that they said there are currently in returning results back to people were mostly stating the obvious. One is what will they do with the results? Two is who's going to pay for it? 
Three, what are the implications for family members? But what the team particularly wanted to understand was whether neurologists are prepared to incorporate genetic testing and counseling into their routine clinical care of Parkinson patients. So they wanted to understand how comfortable the clinicians would be returning results specifically on the two genes that have implications for clinical trials, GBA and LARC2. And uh, even though it's a very savvy group of people, we were surprised to see that they rated themselves as not very comfortable in returning results back. And um, in a scale from zero to 100, they rated themselves at around 52 for the question um, of how comfortable they will be to return uh, results on GBA and LARC2. The next questions involved specific case studies to test the respondents' actual knowledge. Just under 20% didn't finish that part of the survey. But for the remaining 80%, the results told Dr. Alkali that some of the clinicians do in fact have a deficit in their understanding of the genetics of Parkinson. For instance, they posed a question about returning a result to someone with the LARC2 gene, whether each of the patient's children has a 50% chance of developing Parkinson's. And that's not true. They have 50% chance of inheriting the gene, but only 30% of the people who inherited the gene develop Parkinson's disease. And uh, 75% said, no, they have less than 50%. But um, the rest were said either the wrong answer or said we're not sure. So if they're not sure about this answer, they cannot return results back to people with Parkinson's because then they won't be able to educate them about their offspring risk. And that's something that is key because, you know, a lot of these people with Parkinson's have family members that will be directly affected by the result of the genetic testing. Dr. Alkali says the study is particularly important in highlighting the gap, not just in the lack of comfort clinicians feel today with regards to their ability to effectively communicate the results of genetic tests, but the fact that many do actually lack the appropriate knowledge to do so. I think it highlights the point that if we really want precision medicine trials to succeed in Parkinson's, we need to invest a lot in education and education should go both ways. It should go education to, towards uh, people with Parkinson's in one hand and on to uh, clinicians who treat people with Parkinson's in parallel. So I think the study highlights the urgent need uh, for education because uh, physicians are going to be exposed more and more to those genetic testing results. And we have to have the doctors there as our anchor who would educate people about Parkinson's and would be able to explain to them the results. It is possible that we'll see that we can't, and the way to do it is with referring people to genetic counseling rather than us doctors do it ourselves. But uh, I think that with sufficient education and there's a lot of interest and excitement uh, among uh, people with Parkinson's and among doctors, the, the excitement about providing accessibility and education was clearly present in the response of people in the study. I think that we should try to find ways to, to fill those gaps and make it happen. Genetics and Medicine is the official peer-reviewed journal of the American College of Medical Genetics and Genomics and is published by Springer Nature. I'm Cynthia Graber. <laughs>